Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network is a Moonsault Media production and is intended for private use only. For more information, contact RetromaniaPodcast at gmail.com. What's going on, everyone? You are tuning in to a extreme catching up, not so watch along edition of Marking Out the Days Extreme. Not so watch alongs this week, as we've been on a little bit of a hiatus, a schedule change, if you will. Our real lives have intersected with our podcast, fantasy, wrestling lives, if you will. So uh, I'm your host, Dave Rosenbluth. Kobe Nida, he's absent today, dealing with some family stuff, doing the family thing, of course. We'll be back soon together to do our extreme watch-alongs, but I thought it would be fitting this week for us to catch up, if you will, on the days that we've missed. Now, we're not going to do watch-alongs, okay? We're not going to do three watch-alongs back-to-back-to-back because, you know what? That would tire me out. Can't do it by myself. I'm sure you guys wouldn't even bother pressing play at this point. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a little Cliff Notes version, if you will, of uh, uh, of what I've what I recapped from the three episodes. So the February 11th, 1997 episode of ECW Hardcore TV, the February 18th episode, and the February 25th episode of ECW Hardcore TV on the cock, the peacock, if you will, the WWE Peacock Cock Network, whatever the fuck you want to call it. That's what it is. Um, Yeah, it's good to be back, and for those of you that are loyal listeners that are listening currently at this moment in time, you'll notice that uh, I'm not on the telephone. That's right. I got my basement back. That's right. I got my basement back, got my setup. Um, There's some issues with it still, slightly, but for the most part, I got my setup here ready to rock and roll and record, so if you hear any, any echoing, if you will, number one, um, we got new floors put in, so there's no more carpet. And so you might hear a slight echo, if you will, hopefully in post-production. We can kind of fix that, thanks to Kobe. Um, so, yeah, got it back and uh, looking forward to uh, chatting it up with you all um, and talking about ECW and talking about the uh, the uh, you know the, the, the Hardcore TV episodes that I've, that I've watched. And I'm also looking forward to getting back in the saddle with Kicking Out It too. Uh, at the time of this recording, in one week, Dennis will be returning and joining me to record some episodes of Kicking Out of the Twos. We're going to cover some WrestleMania content as we head towards WrestleMania, as well as the year 1997 in the world of professional wrestling, the 25-year anniversary, the silver anniversary of 1997. We're going to cover Raw and Nitro. We're going to try and do some watch-alongs, some recaps. Depending on the schedule, we're just going to kind of go with the flow on the fly, talk about our thoughts on these particular episodes of Raw and Nitro, as well as behind-the-scenes talk. Um, Try to give you guys something a little bit different. I'm kicking out of two. I'm really looking forward to that. I've been itching to get back in and record and do some stuff for all you guys. You know, I'll be perfectly honest with you. The last several months have been a tailspin for me between my personal life with work as well as what's been going on with this basement setup and the contractors that have been involved. It's been a nightmare. And I'm just glad that finally the fucking floor is done. It's finished. Um, There's some issues with it. 
but it's finished nonetheless. So, um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and give you my whole life story and badmouth the guy that did the job because uh, he's already going to get an earful from me and my wife, especially my wife. She's definitely going to give it to her. Um, give it to him, I should say. She's going to give it to him, and, she, and he's not going to like it. So, um, that being said, um, you can find all of the archived episodes of Marking Out the Day's Extreme Watch Alongs, as well as all the other great shows on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network by searching Retromania with a W on any podcast platform available. We're available on Google, Google Play, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts. We're available on all podcast platforms. Our home is on Podbean. Okay, so you can go to Podbean and search Retromania with a W. You'll find all these shows. You'll also find Season 1 of Marking Out the Days, Weekend Warriors, as we cover WWF Superstars and WCW Saturday Night from 1992. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, we also got Kicking Out It too, of course, the home for nostalgic pro wrestling podcasts. Uh, we also have... Um, other projects that Kobe's been involved in, like Hulkamania is Dead. I dabbled in a little bit on the, the, the booking committee of Hulkamania is Dead. It was a challenge, but it was still fun nonetheless. Um, we also have uh, Origins of Attitude, um, Gaijin Wrestling Radio. See, Kobe's got a mind for wrestling when it comes to you know projecting it out there in the podcast world. He's got all different flavors and tastes and styles. And that's what the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network is. Uh, we also got um, Cool Truth with AC, uh, Hollywood Edwards, and uh, White House. They haven't been doing some AEW shows in a while, but I'm sure that they'll get back in the saddle and uh, get on board once again with the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. And if you have a podcast you want to, to, to explore us with, then by all means, hit us up in our DMs at Retromania on Twitter and on our Facebook page. You can uh, sign up and, uh, you know, See what you got. Maybe you want to be a part of the team. Maybe you don't. But, you know, we'd love to collaborate with people. That's why, That's how Kobe and I got together. I was just doing kicking out of two all by myself. And then this schmuck comes along and says, hey, you want to be my partner and do a podcast? But don't steal any of my ideas now because this is what I want to do. <laughs> all kidding aside. Love you, Kobe. Um, yeah, so then that's how it got done. That's how the relationship was born. So, you know, we, we just want to network. We want to build it. We, we still want to have people a part of it and make it fun. And, you know, we're not a Conrad Thompson enterprise. It's not adfreeshows.com. We're just a couple of fans that, you know, want to talk wrestling and talk the history of wrestling and just have fun with it, you know. We're not looking for thousands of, of, of listeners, but if we get them, that's great. You know, if we get 57 of you that, that want to listen to it, that's great because that's 57 people that are interested in what we're talking about. So. We appreciate each and every download, each and every listen, each and every advertisement that you guys put out there for us. If you guys do, if you share the posts or whatever on social media, we appreciate it all. So thank you very much for for, uh, for making it happen with Retromania. All right, uh, let's get into it. ECW Hardcore Television. Uh, we'll start off. Now, I told you I was going to give you a Cliff Notes version. So basically, these three episodes after I summarized them and, and really... Um, Watched them, got into the meat and potatoes of two major rivalries in ECW heading towards their barely legal pay per view. One of them was Sabu and Taz. Um, that was the that was the match that really sold that pay per view in 1997. Sabu and Taz, and it wasn't for a championship, but it was a heated rivalry that had been going on for you know months and months and months. Guys didn't even wrestle each other; they didn't touch each other. That was a big thing back then. Is that these these dudes didn't even go after each other, and it was you know they they built it up till you got to the big moment in the pay per view when they were finally set to meet. And then the other 
story that is really big during this time in ECW heading towards the pay-per-view is Raven and the ECW World Championship and all the guys that he's kind of pissed off and, 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 and burned along the way between Big Stevie Cool from the Blue Ward Order, who was his lackey at one point, to stealing the Sandman's wife and, and, and child, to torturing Tommy Dreamer, and now Terry Funk. So <clears throat> there is, you know, those are the two main stories that I'm really going to focus on when I, when I do these uh, recaps, if you will, as we get caught up with all of you for ECW Extreme Not So Watch Along this week here on Marking Out the Days. Uh, season 2, mind you. So, that being said, let's get started. Uh, the, the February 11, 1997 uh, Hardcore TV episode opened with a video package of Tommy Dreamer, and it talks about the hit, shows clips of the history of his character's trajectory as they preview his, his upcoming role at the ECW Barely Legal pay-per-view. Um, they show a video of when he was caned by the Sandman uh, back in, I, I believe that was 95, when he, she, he was married... Uh, married managed by uh nancy sullivan um nancy benoit the late nancy benoit um the steel the steel cage chair shot with raven where he's like all posted up on the cage handcuffed as well as um pile driving beulah the rivalry he had to cactus jack and brian lee choke slamming him through tables over and over again um throughout the course of that rivalry with um with uh, Raven. Um, yeah, this is previewing the world title scene that gets covered. Um, Dreamer, he's kind of in the title mix, but he's not, but because he's got an issue with Raven and then his close association with Terry Funk, that gets brought into play. Um, we see a, a, a Terry Funk Tommy Rich match in the ECW arena. Uh, first time ever that took place, apparently, according to Joey Styles. Um, one thing I don't like about reviewing these these shows on peacock is obviously the the music the copyrighted music um they have this really like slow like corny um you know cowboy western type music when terry funk comes out and it's just it it, it it's it's awful and then the 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 fake chants in the background um didn't really care for it uh but um yeah, this match here with Funk and Tommy Rich, it was pretty much a, a bloody brawl. The crowd was behind Funk all the way. They had no interest in Tommy Rich whatsoever. Um, Joey Styles, you, you... Now, I didn't get this. Maybe it's because I wasn't a big ECW fan back then, but um, Funk won with a spinning toehold, which Joey Styles went crazy over. Um, crazy over. I just didn't get it, didn't understand it, didn't really have... But that was his move back in the day, I guess, back in the NWA, so... Um, Styles was really hyping up the history as well as Funk's comeback in his quest to win the world title. Uh, then we see a post-match promo that was pre-taped uh, with Funk and he talks about this bull rider named Freckles Brown being past his prime and he rode this bull named Tornado for eight seconds and it reminded him of his quest to become the ECW World Heavyweight Champion and that every dog has his day and that day will come for him when he wins the ECW World Heavyweight Championship. Um, looking back on it, the story, it's interesting that, you know, 50-something years old, Terry Funk's coming out of retirement to wrestle for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship. Um, and given the, the the target that Raven has on his back with other people, Funk is just one more layer to this story of, of people that Raven has has terrorized throughout his run as the ECW World Heavyweight Championship. Um, 
Let's see what we got here. If you want to see a decent match um, on this episode, check out Lance Storm. He makes his debut in ECW against Balls Mahoney. Uh, it was a better match than I expected, um, but Storm got the win with a spinning heel kick in 5 minutes and 32 seconds. So check that out. Um, this is also the first time we get to see the Bubba Ray Dudley stuttering gimmick. Uh, where they do a, a follow-up promo of his heel turn from the week before, where him and Devon form the Dudley Boys tag team. They show the clip of it, the brawl with the gangsters. He does the stuttering gimmick. This is the first time I really um, was was made aware of it, aside from 1999 when he was in WWF and he debuted. Um, moving on to the, 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 the Raven story here. He does a promo in the back and addresses Terry Funk's quest to win the world title. Um, says that every dog doesn't have its day in Raven's world, and Terry Funk won't have his day, quote the Raven, nevermore. Um, Raven, to me, I've said this before on other podcasts, very underrated performer, very underrated promo. Some people didn't get the character, but he kind of had this like Kurt Cobain, Nirvana-type vibe um, to his presentation, and he had, t- he had you know piled a ton of heat on him at this time. With the stuff with Dreamer, obviously the stuff with Sandman, and now with Funk, who was a very sympathetic character and a beloved character with the ECW audience. So um, this this just follows along the path and the trajectory as we're heading towards um, Barely Legal. Um, now let's kind of turn to the Taz Sabu story here. Because the Taz Sabu story kind of intertwines in this next match between the Eliminators and Sabu against Sabu and RVD. Um, the match was just all over the place. It was a mess. Okay, not one of the better matches I felt. Um, they brought ladders and tables and chairs into the match. The crowd loved it. I didn't really seem to care. Didn't didn't seem to have a reason behind it. Um, the Eliminators win with total elimination, and then Taz runs in, hooks the Taz mission on RVD. As Bill Alfonso holds the mic while he's talking shit to Sabu, who's being held hostage by the Eliminators. Um, I thought the post-match angle was pretty good. It, it brought some heat, and once again, it separated Taz and Sabu from not having to go after each other. That's the big thing that this angle's been about, is that they want at each other so bad, but whoever booked this angle, which I'm assuming Taz, Sabu, Paul Paul Heyman had a little bit of you know involvement in it, those guys made it. So that you were chomping at the bit to see these two wrestle each other because they hadn't even touched. And this was just another instance where Taz got the best of Sabu through RVD in the Taz mission. So that ended that episode of ECW um, uh, Hardcore TV. Like I said, if you want to check out a decent match from that episode, Lance Storm debuts against Balls Mahoney. Um, and then you have the, um, the, the Terry Funk-Tommy Rich match as well. That's, like I said, it is a bloody brawl. But um, that episode is basically, once again, about Funk's trajectory and his path towards the title and then the Taz er, Taz Sabu rivalry. So, like I said, Cliff Notes version here this week. Going to kind of mash all three episodes into one. Let's continue here as we have for you the, the February 18th episode that opens with Raven comment, commenting on Tommy Dreamer's career in a pre-match pre-tape promo. Um, he points out that Dreamer has never beaten him. Then he moves on to Terry Funk. And he says that Funk is laughed at by the other wrestlers in the locker room. He reminds Raven of his father because he hates his father. His abusive relationship with his father. The beatings. The divorce. The molestation. Which, holy cow. 
All right, this is where I'm going to put my logic cap on when it comes to wrestling booking here for just a moment, even though I'm not an expert at this. But as a fan at 39 years old, you would think, okay, you would think that something like this would you catch, you know, catch people's attention back then in 1997. You know, you would think that I would have heard about this, but I didn't. You know, bringing up the fact that his father molested him in a promo. I mean, today, if you even said that, if you even said such a thing in wrestling, my goodness, cancel culture all day. All day long. They'd cancel Raven. They'd cancel his fictional father that molested him. They would probably cancel his real father, whether he's dead or alive, accusing him of molestation. I mean, come on. That's that's the world that we live in currently. Um, but nonetheless, I thought it was an interesting take. Raven, you know, really getting personal with Terry Funk. Um because he didn't really have anything personal with him, you know, between the three other rivalries that will that you know are involved in this world title scene with his issues with Dreamer, stealing Sandman's family, and pretty much his lackey Stevie Richards kind of branching out on his own. Excuse me as I adjust my headphones here. Um, he doesn't really have anything personal with Funk, so he's kind of made it personal himself. Because he thinks Funk's, Funk reminds him of his father, which, I mean, if it's going to pile on the heat, then I'm all for it. But um, I feel like in some regards, looking back on it now, it's a bit of a stretch. But um, yeah, it was, um, it, it caught me off guard for sure. Um, then he, in the same promo, he transitions to Sandman and his family, talks about taking Sandman's family and giving them a better life. Um you know, 25 years ago, I didn't watch a lot of ECW. I didn't really watch much of ECW at all. So, I wasn't familiar with this rivalry until I watched the Rise and Fall of ECW DVD and Paul Heyman describing this rivalry and how personal it was. And then I even watched like a couple of shooting interviews with Raven and Sandman and they talked about how they really put this angle together themselves and, you know, nothing was off limits. So I'm, I'm interested to kind of go back and, you know, maybe after doing this, watch how that rivalry unfolded and, and how it progressed because, you know, that's something that's very personal, you know, taking someone's family and trying to give them a better life. You know, how many, how many situations in life have you heard of or maybe even encountered where someone takes your spouse and your family and they, and they move in together and they have a better, you know, they, they, Things are, things are on the up for them and you're down in the dumps, you know? This is no different. I mean, a lot of people could relate to stuff like this. So, in 1997, um, that obviously was a big deal. And this was kind of incorporated into Sandman and Raven's rivalry here. And then, you know, he transitions to, to Stevie Richards, the leader of the Blue World Order, who deserted him because he wanted to be his own man, not his lackey. And Raven pretty much says that he's kind of had enough of them all and that he's going to stand tall as the ECW champion if he's got to go through all of them. So in, in, in one instance, when I watch that promo, it's like he's describing all the shitty things he's done to these people. And But in the other instance, you know, at the end, he kind of, he kind of ends it with like, like a baby face type of moment where he's like, well, if I got to get through them all to keep my title, I will. You know, where... Maybe in Raven's mind, in the character's mind, he's rationalizing his behavior and he thinks he's the good guy. He thinks everyone else is the villain, you know? I mean, I could be mistaken, but 
that's that's how it came across to me. Um, then we get Joey Styles after that promo recapping all of you know Raven's foes leading up to the barely legal pay per view, stealing Sandman's family, Stevie deserting him, his issues with Dreamer, and Funk's quest to win the world title. He's really laying down the groundwork for a good build up towards their inaugural pay per view. Um, of course, they did have a little bit of help from the WWF at the time with, with their involvement on the Monday Night Raw program, which Kobe and I will discuss on further episodes of Marking Out the Days, Extreme Watch-Alongs, when we watch it. We're going to try and watch that episode of Monday Night Raw from the Manhattan Center where ECW was heavily involved. We, we're going to try and do that, um, hopefully as a bonus show, maybe, I don't know. Kobe, if you're out there listening, which I'm sure you are because you're going to be doing the, the post-edits on this. Um, let's make it happen. Um, not to call you out or anything. Um, speaking of Sandman, he's in a Boston street fight on this episode of Hardcore TV against Devon Dudley. It's a rematch from the previous week when Bubba Dudley interfered, costing the Sandman the match, and joining up with Devon, turning heel, and forming the Dudley boys. Um, this is a typical brawl between these two. Plunder everywhere. That's right, baby. There was plunder everywhere. We had tables. We had ladders. We had chairs. We had cookie sheets, if you will, baby. That's right. There was a plunder everywhere, baby. Um, the finish comes when Sandman climbs the ladder, and then he hangs from the rafter, and he swings himself in a very uncoordinated way to deliver a leg drop for the win. Um... Post-match, he canes Joel Gertner, but then he's attacked by the Dudleys. Bubba Ray enters, and then we get a 3D to end the segment, which um, I think that was the, that was the first time it was referenced as the 3D. They, Joey Styles called it a Bubba Cutter, but then he said it was – or he called it a double Bubba Cutter, but then um, in, in the same sentence, he announced that it was renamed the 3D, the Dudley Death Drop. So um, – more about Barely Legal via satellite. Tokyo, Japan. Michinoku Pro representatives discuss their involvement at Barely Legal. The promo is not in English. There's no subtitles. Um, the only thing I get out of it was ECW's number one company in USA. Um, and then we get clips of Michinoku Pro talents competing in ECW earlier in the year. Um, they, they definitely capitalized. I will say this. you know, Looking back on it, they definitely capitalized on bringing an international flavor to their programming. Um, with a variety show between the technical wrestling, the the international style of wrestling with Lucha Libre and the Japanese style, as well as the the hardcore, the brawling, and the really adult-based intense storylines. ECW had like a total package, you could say, in some regards. Uh, Just needed to be polished up a little bit here and there. But um, uh, moving on here, back to the Taz-Sabu rivalry here. We get Taz taking on Scott Taylor, who would be known as Scotty Too Hotty. Um, this was built up as Taz's return match from injury. And I felt like watching this, especially leading towards the, the, the buildup with Sabu at Barely Legal, that Taz should have been completely dominant in this match. Completely dominant. Um, I felt like Taylor got in too much offense. And Taz should have been built up as this, like, sawed-off monster that just killed Taylor. And he's coming for Sabu. Um... But he wins the match, gets the Taz mission for the win. So, um, you know, if he jobbed to him or if he, you know, did the one, two, three, did the honors, then then I then I could make a, a stronger argument. But that's just my little nitpick there. Um, trying to think. What else here? Um, this episode would end. 
All right, so there's some other stuff that takes place, some some random pre-match promo or random promos from Shane Douglas and Brian Lee and Chris Candido um, separately hyping up Cyber Slam that would take place later that weekend. But um, oh yeah, and another satellite promo from Michinoku Pro Talents. But the BWO interrupts them and offers them a spot in the group, and they give them the T-shirts. So now it's a it's a it's an homage or a, a, a mocking way of of of. Uh, of uh, adding an international flavor to the Blue World Order, same way the NWO added some Japanese talents to the group. Um, nice little, you know, nice little uh, mention, if you will, of um, of that on the on the program. I thought that was kind of kind of neat, but um, not really part of the story. But here, the Taboo Sad Story, Taboo, sorry, Sab, easy for me to say, Sabu Taz story here continues as it closes out this episode of ECW Hardcore TV for February eighteenth. With RVD attacking, he was attacked by Taz. This is from, from some fan cam footage of the show. Um, Sabu shows up to face off with Taz. The referees in the locker room intervene in an effort to keep them apart. The crowd is just losing their minds as they close out this episode of ECW. So once again, Sabu and Taz, they want to go at each other, but there's just another intervention of sorts that prevents them from hooking it up. And looking back on it, I thought that was the best part of this episode of ECW Hardcore TV. Um, if there's anything that stands out from it that I suggest you watch, um, it's probably nothing at all. <laughs> it's probably really nothing at all. Um, maybe the Sandman Dudley, Devon Dudley, Boston Street fight, but that's about it. Um, yeah, so once again, building towards Taz and Sabu. They haven't had put hands on each other yet, but they're inching closer and closer to getting that point. So... Um, now we have the February 25th, 1997 episode, which opens with Joey Styles in the ring from Cyber Slam 97, and the Pitbulls make their way out to cut a promo on Shane Douglas. They call him out. Um, they told Shane Douglas to stop trying to be like Shawn Michaels. Douglas appears from the Hawk's Nest area to respond with Francine. He's got crutches. Um, he says he doesn't give a fuck about Monday Night Raw. ECW or what Paul Heyman's got going on with the WWF. He calls Shawn Michaels a pussy and calls the Pitbulls out and says, come up here and kick my ass. They leave. They enter through the crowd, but it's an ambush by primetime Brian Lee and Chris Candido on the staging area. Triple threat attack. Um, Referees intervene. Officials intervene. Um, This is also part of the buildup towards uh, Pitbull Gary Wolf and um, or Pitbull number two, I should say, and Shane Douglas for their match and ECW barely illegal. But um, continuing on here, we have a rematch from the previous week with um, Sabu and RVD against the Eliminators in a tables and ladders match for the ECW World Tag Team titles. Um, this, I will say, was a better match than the than the one that I just recapped earlier. Um, starts out as a regular tag team match with a lot of back and forth action. Everyone's just getting their usual stuff in with all their, their high spots. Um, then the brawl kicks off around the arena, eventually makes it back to the ring, using the ladders with frequent tags in and out by both teams, and then picks up. Referee can't control it anymore. Both teams are in the ring using the ladders and the tables. The finish comes when RVD attempts a spinning heel kick to Saturn, but misses, almost hitting Sabu. Both have words with each other, and then the Eliminators nail RVD from behind, knocking him into Sabu, which sets up not one, but two total elimination. On RVD for the win. Um, like I said, better match um, than the previous one they had on TV. 
the Eliminators shake the hands of Sabu, but RVD refuses to shake their hands. RVD have, and Sabu have some words, and then Rob Van Dam walks off. So um, this might be leading to RVD's frustration as to not being a part of the barely legal pay-per-view. Also, maybe his involvement as the representative of the World Wrestling Federation at that time. Um, but yeah, this was a pretty good match. It was fun. It was better than the one that I recapped before, definitely. It seemed to be a little bit more um, fluidity in the match between those teams. Um we continue with the Sabu and Taz story. Um, Taz wrestles Tracy Smothers. And this is another match that Taz is involved in where we see some vulnerability from him. Um, maybe that's what they were intending with this buildup, but I felt like, again, you should be building him up as he's just mowing through guys, getting ready to kill Sabu at the pay-per-view. Instead, he, you know, Tracy Smothers gets some offense in, and Taz, I wouldn't say he was buried or anything like that but i just thought it, it would have served taz better for this story to just kill guys on this path to sabu and barely legal um but you know a couple suplex later followed by a taz mission and he gets the win um and then we have here a backstage promo from chris candido we talks about terry funk and he's mocking terry funk's career and his age i believe that this was hyping up a match that they were scheduled to have at an upcoming ECW event. And then the main event of this show, of this episode here, is Raven and Brian Lee taking on Terry Funk and Tommy Dreamer. And if you go back and you watch this episode, this is the February 25th, 1997 episode. This match starts out with three minutes left in the episode. So I kind of knew that this wasn't going to last very long, obviously. Um, the ring introductions, I felt like, took forever. Um, but Raven grabs the mic, and he reminds Tommy Dreamer that he's never beaten him once again. Has to remind him that. They've known each other since they were 12 years old, etc., etc. And he he offers to lay down for Dreamer. But he says, if I lay down for you and you beat me, this is going to cost Terry Funk his title shot at the pay-per-view. So it sounds like they've already made it official that Funk's going to get a title shot, or at least he's going to be in line for a title shot with Sandman and Big Stevie Cool. And the winner will face Raven later in the night. Um, Dreamer's pretty torn up about this. Um, so he starts to beat on Raven, hits him with a few right hands, goes for the cover, but then gets up. And you can tell he's conflicted that he's about to cost Terry Funk his title shot as the show goes off the air. Um, uh, which I thought that was, out of everything I watched out of those three episodes, I thought that was the best part of the story, especially with the Raven world title scene. You know, it's Dreamer whose boyhood idol, his hero, Terry Funk, is, have, is, is is attempting one last run at the ECW world title. And if Dreamer pins Raven, that costs him the opportunity at the championship. The quest that Funk is on to win the world title one more time before he walks off into the sunset. I thought that was the best element of that story. And recapping everything, like I said, Taz and Sabu haven't touched each other. They're on their path to barely legal. I thought the 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 last couple, you know, the, the the last few weeks of ECW programming involving them was really well done. I thought the Raven stuff in the beginning, you know, setting up everyone and kind of laying out the groundwork for you know all these guys and their path to the title was a nice touch, but it just kind of missed something. And I felt like the the the, the spark that really caught my attention 
was this last segment here that I just mentioned. Dreamer um, conflicted about defeating Raven because it's going to end up costing Terry Funk the world title or the world title opportunity at the Baylor Legal Pay-Per-View. And like I said, that's the Cliff Notes version of ECW Hardcore TV episodes February 11th, February 18th, and February 25th of 1997. This week here on Marking Out the Day's not-so-extreme watch-alongs. ECW Hardcore TV. Thank you very much for tuning in, checking us out here. Um, hopefully, Kobe and I will get back together again very, very soon so we can do some watch-alongs with you guys covering ECW Hardcore TV. Kicking out at 2. We'll be back in your streams very soon as we're going to be covering WrestleMania content as well as 1997 Raw and Nitros. So be on the lookout for that coming up in the coming weeks. Dennis is going to be joining me. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm back in the saddle. I'm really looking forward to it. Looking forward to, 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 to spreading my wrestling fandom with all of you through the podcast airwaves on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Not only with this show, marking out the day's extreme watch-alongs, but as well as kicking out at two. And with that being said, oh wait, wrong show. It's not that show. It's not kicking out at two. Thank you all so very much for pressing play, hitting the download button, and we'll see you all very, very soon.